So a real life example of this is I have a client who's been funding his policy for I think two, three years. Uh, there's a, people put a lot of money into these policies. Mm -hmm. So this, this uh, and I have a video where I did on this. The guy saw an apartment complex in an opportunity zone. Mm. So he said, okay, I want to leverage the policy to buy this asset in the opportunity zone. So we went and go, we looked in his policy. Then we took a loan against his policy. In a few days, the money's wired to his bank account. When you take a, a loan against your cash in your life insurance policy, there's no credit checks. There's no income checks. Mm. There's none of that. And you don't have to pay the loan back on a set schedule. You can control how you do that. Nice. So this particular client, yeah, it's, 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 it's an awesome feature. It's probably your best loan you can What's up, ladies and gents? This is Mike Hitley, host of the Hitley Group Real Estate Show. The podcast was designed to show business professionals who happens to have a license to sell real estate how you can make money outside of just selling a piece of property. We are talking to entrepreneurs that's making things happen. Continue to tune in. Hey, gang. This is Mike Hitley. We are back. Another great episode on the Hitley Group Real Estate Show. Like I always say, we're here to feed you and feed the mind and feed that soul. Today, we got a gentleman on the show, um, not necessarily directly related in terms of real estate. Again, you know, our show is designed to, to feed you in terms of knowledge and information outside of real estate, whether you're a professional investor or you're just a viewer that want to pick up some tips. This brother right here is doing his thing in terms of in the life insurance field. And again, I'll let this brother tap into little other areas he's in, but that's what attracted me to him when I saw it. I said, well, I think this can be a great knowledge for, for the audience. So this brother here, uh, business owner, licensed financial professional. He's an author as well as he's a speaker. He has a book called Let's Fight About Money. We're going to talk about that. Uh, let's give a warm welcome to the name of his business as well as M Wealth Group. A warm welcome to Mr. Matthew, to Martin Matthews. How you doing, brother? Doing great, Mike. Glad to be here with you. Oh, oh man. Oh, yeah, the well, awesome. I love that. Yeah, you like you like that, right? Yes. <laughs> so, so brother, uh, let, let's dive into it. And again, like I said, we keep it real on our show. And we we are, we always kind of give people an idea of how we how we find our people. Uh, so you know, we saw most social media, and like I said, I think it'll be a good uh, uh, contributor to the audience in terms of the life insurance field and other areas. I'm quite sure the brother will enlighten us on. So. Uh, Martin, you've been in the game in terms of financial space. How long have you been doing it? Uh, going on almost 15 years now. Mm, 15 years, 15 years. And what drew you to the financial space? And when we say financial, that is pretty broad. If you can give me a little more specifics behind that. Yeah, so uh, I, I grew up in a poor West African country called Liberia. Mm. Last two years in a row, Liberia's rated ranked the poorest country in the world. So um, in Liberia, there's a, there's a huge wealth gap. There's people with some money and there's people with no money. Now, my, my father was somebody who had some means. So people would come to my house every day to ask me for money. So, so my earliest recollection about money and finances was that uh, seems like money was important to people, but apparently people didn't have much of it and they were trying to mm. get it and figure out how to get it. Mm. So I, whenever I watch movies, 
it looked like everybody in America was rich. They got cars, they got TVs, they got all this stuff. So I figured, well, if I could, um, if I could figure out how to get to America, then I could learn how to become rich <laughs> and that I could help people in Africa. And that was my initial goal. <laughs> But uh, I came to America, realized that uh, it's not true that everybody's rich in America. In fact, you still have a gap between people who have a lot of money and, you know, people getting by. And so um, I was on a quest to try to understand what rich people did. I figured there must, there are rich people in America. So what did they do with their money? What, what, how did they make it? Where did they keep it? What assets did they buy? And nobody could teach me because a lot of very few people knew either that I, mm. that I knew at the time. Mm. And then I, I ran across a guy who understood, um, who understood this business. He actually had a financial company and he had a mortgage company. So he was mm. tapped into real estate and he was tapped into the financial field. And there were very few people like him that I encountered. So he showed me different things. And I basically said, how can I do what you're doing? I want to do that. So that was my genesis. That was my start, really trying to come to America, figure out how wealth is created so that I could learn to create something for myself and then teach and share with other people what are the successful actions that rich people do. You know, I like that. Let's unpack that a little bit there. You, you, you said you connected with someone else so they can teach you. Right. And, and I, you know, I think some of us at times we were not teachable, uh, cause you came here, you didn't have them skills. No. So, <laughs> What? Uh, okay, okay. So, you know, I talked about it again. I'm going by based off what I know for us with the life insurance. Yeah. What drove you to that particular segment, and why? So, the the guy asked me a few questions that made me think. And one of the things he said to me was, he said, uh, he said, Do you have a 401k? I said, Yeah, I got a 401k. And he said, How do you know the 401k is the best thing for you? I was like, I don't know. He's like, well, have you ever bought any investments? I'm like, yeah. Like, how do you know those were the best investments for you? I said, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you why my 401k was because I worked at a job and that's what they offered. And he said, well, did you do? You, have you looked at different financial vehicles? Uh, and I said, no. And then he's like, well, let me enlighten you about what some of the things rich people do. Because like a lot of people think rich people are so rich don't buy life insurance, but mm -hmm. they always buy more life insurance. It's like, look at the Kennedys. Whenever they pass away, wealth comes into the family to create more and more generational wealth. And they use that through the feature of life insurance. So he started enlightening me and showing me different books. And I realized there was a common thread uh, between a lot of wealthy people. Uh, they, 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 they owned a lot of real estate, whether it was land, uh, whatever it was, they owned real estate. A structure, and they owned yeah. Life insurance. Mm hmm. And then the, the life insurance was a protection mechanism for the real estate. And I discovered uh, that you could store money inside of life insurance policies to buy real estate. So to cycle this money through using these two vehicles and it minimized their risk and it gave them tax advantages. So when I, when I, when I understood about that, that there was a different game that wealthy people were playing, that's what drew me more to the life insurance cycle. So it was a fascinating way to use a vehicle that existed to acquire other assets that you wanted to acquire while protecting yourself and leaving generational wealth at the same time. Nice. You, you said store money inside life insurance, right? And yes. you know, again, you know, people want to, people want the, people love to have the money stored there instead of IRS uncle Sam saying, let me get that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, walk us through. And again, you know, we believe in, um, 
um, scenarios. This way it, it can resonate with people a little more better. Mm-hmm. Walk us through a scenario in terms of storing money and tax advantages. And I don't know if you need a chalkboard for that or, or am I saying something too pre too early? So, but walk us through that. No, I can, I can break it down pretty simple. Okay, please. please. So to understand that, you need to understand two types of life insurance. So I got to think of my, my left fist and my right fist, right? So on nice. one hand, this is life insurance 101. So you can know how to think about life insurance, and how you can use it for other assets. So you got one hand, you got term life insurance. There's two categories of life insurance. One of them is called term. Term means a period of time. So like if you get a 30 year mortgage, that's a 30 year term you got, right? That, mm-hmm. that's, it just means a period of time. Mm-hmm. So term life insurance, it mostly pays when a person dies. There's some that can pay if you get sick or hurt. So when most people think of life insurance, they think about the dying part, which is which equates to term. Now one's not better, one category is not better than the other. I own both of them. I use them for different purposes. So you got term life insurance. How most people think of life insurance. And then you got permanent life insurance. Permanent means it lasts for your entire lifetime. So you should be there for your entire lifetime. There's different types of permanent life insurance, but that's the main thing. So term, uh, permanent life insurance also pays out when a person dies, all those features, all of that in there. But it has a second feature, which is inside of your life insurance policy it has a cash value. This cash, you can put money into your life insurance policy, just like you can put money into your bank. You can store money in different places. You can store money in the bank. You can store money in Wall Street. You can store money in real estate. You can store money in your mattress. Mm. Some of us store money inside of our life insurance policies and then use that to buy real estate. And the reason for that is I can earn a higher interest rate on life insurance policy than I would get at the bank. So, nice. and my money is protected from losses. So nice. I can store this money inside of my policy, get a higher interest rate, and then the insurance industry has a very, very cool feature where my money's compounding, right? Compounding means you get an interest on top of interest. It's building on top of itself. Nice. So if my money's compounding and it's building, it's earning me interest, I never want to take it out. I want mm. it to keep building and like it's like a snowball that just keeps getting bigger and bigger, like an avalanche going down a mountain, getting bigger and bigger. So I never want to take that money out. So how do I buy real estate? How do I buy a business? How do I do these other things and keep my money compounding at the same time? Mm. Rich people want to do both. I want to do both. So the insurance industry allows you to leverage your policy, which means you can take a loan against your cash in the policy mm. and keep your money. Your money stays in the policy, continues earning interest. You borrow against it. Now you go buy the real estate. So now let's say I got, I've been putting money into my policy. Let me, I want to break pause right there and make sure that people are following me. Mike, you're following me along. Does that all make sense so far? Yeah, no, it does make sense. And that's why I'm just sitting back, you know, yeah. you know taking it. But I will unpack uh, uh, what you say just a little bit. But go ahead. Keep going. So so now we've got uh, uh, you got cash inside of your policy. You can then go and it's like, okay, just like if I got equity in my house. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to I own equity line of credit. Essentially, it's the same thing. I got equity in my, in my life insurance policy. That is cash that belongs to me and it's compound. Mm. So I can go, instead of taking it out, I go and take a loan against it. So now I got I got money that's in my policy that I borrow against to put inside of an asset. So a real life example of this is I have a client has been funding his policy for, I think, two, three years. Uh, there's some, People put a lot of money into these policies. Mm. So this, this uh, and I have a video where I did on this. 
the guy saw an apartment complex in an opportunity zone. Mm. So he said, okay, I want to leverage the policy to buy this asset in the opportunity zone. So we went and go, we looked at his policy. Then we took a loan against his policy. In a few days, the money's wired to his bank account. When you take a, a loan against your cash in your life insurance policy, there's no credit checks. There's no income checks. Mm. There's none of that. And you don't have to pay the loan back on a set schedule. You can control how you do that. So nice. this particular client, yeah, it's, 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 it's an awesome feature. It's probably your best loan you can take in America. <laughs> uh, so because it's like it, it, you, you can control so many things about it. So then he takes a um, he takes a loan against the cash in his policy. Now his money stays in the policy, continues to earn interest. His money hasn't left the policy. He simply used it as collateral for a loan. He takes the money he, he receives, he puts that towards the, uh, the, the, the apartment building and the opportunity zones. He buys that. Correct. So now, as we know, opportunity zones create tax advantages. Mm -hmm. And his life insurance policy, as the money's growing in his life insurance policy, there's no taxes on that. And when he takes a loan against it, because it's a loan, it's not income, there's no taxes to him. So he can access this money without paying any taxes, put it in an opportunity zone and get tax advantages on, on having that money inside of the opportunity zone. So that's what we did in that scenario with this client. The leverage wow. policy is no taxes on, on any of it. So no taxes on his growth. And he's leveraging it. If the client dies, he still leaves a tax-free death benefit to his beneficiaries and he leaves them the real estate. Wow. So, so this is what people were talking about being the bank. Yes. This is literally leveraging and being the bank. The brother literally just broke it down for you all. Now, let me unpack some of that now for, for the people who who's not as efficient as far as taking that information. I got to get a little bit more out of that in terms of details. Yeah. How long does it typically take for monies in life insurance policy? I see a deal, put an offer in. They got it. Uh, uh, typically, we got a three weeks or four weeks closing. How long after? From when you start a policy or if you already have money in the policy? Or have already have money in. Sorry for not clarifying. Oh, uh, we, we, today's, so this week we did that for somebody. Mm -hmm. It took three days for the guy to get the money. Wow. Uh, wired to his bank account. Uh, I think maybe it was even two days actually. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's pretty fast. Uh, okay. I'd say if you plan a week or so, you can, you, that would be fine uh, to, to be able to get the money wired to your bank account. And, and I'm quite, like I said, I know each policy is a different, you know, mentioned term and you mentioned permanent, mm -hmm. which I know you say you had two, mm -hmm. which policy is probably lean more that a benefit an investor one and two, you said there's no really qualifications in terms of what's the minimum amount of time the money needs to sit from initial starting the policy. So it, how long it has to sit? So first, um, to to use to build cash in a policy, it needs to be a permanent policy because term doesn't have a permanent. Cash. Somebody's looking permanent. at it from an, hey, I want to use it for real estate, that sort of thing, and they want to look at a permanent policy. So we'll kind of focus on that because that's the one that allows you to build cash. I can always talk about term after somebody, you know, to perfect, give perfect. clarity. Uh, so. It, it varies because some people fund their policy. It comes out of how you fund the policy. 
meaning okay. how you put money into policy. So some people put money into their policies on a monthly basis. Some people put money in in the beginning of the year. And we have clients that do a little bit of both. So for example, we've got a client who will put in um, $80,000, $100,000. And w- once the policy is approved, basically the next week you can take a loan against it. Mm. But that's if you put the money in in the beginning of the year. Now, there are other clients who put their money in over 12 months, so which means I'm not starting by putting all this money in right now, so I'm going to put it in over 12 months because I'm doing it monthly. So then mm-hmm. after one year, then they can borrow against it. So that's typically how the structure is. If you're putting the money you're going to put in for a year in the beginning, you can set one up or you can take a loan against it the next week. Typically, you can take about 75% loan against it right away. So if I put 100 grand inside of a life insurance policy, I can take uh, a $75,000 loan against it. Um, and the other one, I'll, uh, if I'm funding it monthly, I got to wait 12 months because that's how long it would take me to put that full amount in there anyway. Are you looking for a real estate brokerage to help you buy or sell your property? The Headley Group Realty is here to assist you with that process. We also hire brokers to join us and give them the best training and mentorship, leading to a great office atmosphere and an attractive commission structure. Our goal is to show homeownership at the highest professional level and empower the real estate business. If you're interested in buying or selling your property, visit www.theheadleygroup.com or call us at 336-904-6212. We look forward to partnering with you. And you agreed on that from initial when you started the policy after a year. Yeah. What do you say to people who may say, but I like, I can just go to my bank. I put a hundred thousand dollars in. If I need the next week, I get the hundred thousand dollars out. I don't, I don't have to worry about getting $75,000 out and I have to wait two or three days to get it because this deal is imminent. Yeah. It's a good question. I've been asked that question before. Uh, and the, my answer to that was if I put a hundred thousand dollars in my policy, I've got $100,000 in my policy. So I have $100,000. If I take a $75,000 loan against it, I've now received $75,000. So how much do I have? $100,000 over here plus $75,000 over here. I've literally cloned my money to now have $175,000 instead of $100,000. Mm. So mm. if I have it in my bank account and I go and pull it out, I use it, now it's no longer in my bank account. But Correct. if I have it in my policy and I borrow against it, still in my policy, Plus, I received seventy-five grand, so I've, I've now leveraged that money to create more money almost instantly through leveraging it uh, uh, using a life insurance loan to be able to do that. Mm, I like that. I like that. What do you say? And again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I don't want you to think I'm challenging you here, right? But I'm trying to think if I if I'm the in the audience, I want to ask these questions. So, because again, these are questions that other people may want to ask. Um, what do you say? Who someone says, okay, well, but Per the bank, the guidelines, the fine print says that my money's insured up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. FDIC. What kind of insurance or protection do I have on my money with this life insurance company? One, and do you? I guess do you recommend any reputable ones? Because we know people can go bankrupt. If this company does go bankrupt, what happens to my money that's inside this life insurance policy? I know that's a pre-part question, yeah. but yeah, you go go ahead and answer that. Well, the I, I sometimes teach our clients 
how do you evaluate a financial company? Mm. And so I asked them, how do you know that bank you bank with? How do you know they're strong? Why? Because you see they have a, a building on the street corner. How do you know they're strong? And it, you know what they say? They say, you know what? I, I don't know. I'm like, well, what is FDIC? And they say, well, I don't know. It's just something that protects your money at the bank. And I was like, well, what does it stand for? And a lot of times they're not sure either. So I, I break it down like this. I say, okay, federal uh, FDIC stands for Federal Depository Insurance Corporation. So it literally has insurance in the name. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. an insurance company that's essentially mm -hmm. protecting your money at the bank. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's dive a little bit deeper. I, I tell them, well, do you know that banks keep collectively hundreds of billions of dollars inside of life insurance policies? They're called mm -hmm. bank-owned life insurance policies. Mm -hmm. So why would a bank that is not a living entity own a life insurance policy? Very simple reason. You can actually go to the FDIC website, you can look up any bank, and you can see how much of the capital is actually stored inside of life insurance policies. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's, it provides a source of capital for the bank. The bank earns interest on it and is used to also fund their executive compensation plans. So mm -hmm. banks want to give benefits to the CEOs and see if they'll store a lot of that money inside of life insurance policies. So that's some of the things that they, they do with it uh, from that perspective. And then, um, so now let's, let's look at the protection features on, okay, how's my money protected? How do I value the strength of a company? Almost, we, I, I own a brokerage firm. So that means we can do business with many, many different insurance companies. I don't work mm -hmm. for, for an insurance company. I don't represent any particular insurance company. Uh, I'm like you, I'm, I'm, I'm independently owned and operated. So Correct. I can't be bought from that perspective. Correct. So... I, most of the companies we do business with have over a hundred year history. So that means I can go and look at the financials of all of these companies. Most insurance companies are, are rated by three rating agencies. So I can go and look at not just my evaluation of the finances, but like all these three rating agencies that's rated these different insurance companies. Did they get an A plus? Did they get an A minus? Did they get a C or D? We don't use any of that C or D or even really. Mm -hmm. All of them are like A plus rated companies or A rated companies. Mm -hmm. Then I also look at, okay, how much assets do they have? So uh, the other day I did a video where I broke down. This is a 150 year old insurance company that has $150 billion in assets. And I broke mm -hmm. down, where do they keep the assets? where a lot of them buy real estate. The fun, uh, life insurance companies fund a bunch of real estate deals. Like you, they, you I mean, you probably never know about some of that, but mm. they put a lot of money towards real estate. Mm -hmm. So uh, you, I showed them the breakdown. I said, okay, this is this company has 150 billion in assets. You know, they got 140 billion in liabilities. So that means they have a $10 billion surplus, which means they can pay all of their claims, fulfill their obligations, and it would not have a problem. Mm -hmm. um, and I explained this to people that uh, insurance companies also buy insurance on themselves. There's a whole nother uh, thing called reinsurance, which the public doesn't really get a chance to see. But and can you say that again? Reinsurance? Reinsurance. Okay. Okay. There are insurance companies that help back up insurance companies. Mm. <laughs> so insurance companies don't go out of business because they also take insurance on themselves. Correct, 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 so correct. These are people who deal in managing risk. So banks often can go out of business, but you'll very find very rarely the insurance companies go out of business. Makes uh, sense. There's, there's also, uh, every state has a, a state insurance commissioner. Some of them, some of them are elected, but every state has something called a state guarantee fund. 
Now, this is just for educational purposes. Somebody knows. Correct. Exists, but, but a state guarantee fund exists so that if if any um, insurer that does business in that state becomes insolvent, uh, that's a protection mechanism. So you have these different protection mechanisms from wow. the assets the company has to how well they're rated to how much they already have put aside in reserves to reinsurance then to the state guarantee fund you know so you have all these protection mechanisms that's in place to help protect insurance companies from going on wow you said a mouth for that brother uh yeah because like i said you just literally educated me and that's why i'm sitting back as a student insurance companies has other insurance companies which you would think logically makes sense but didn't really think of it like that and then they have the state to make sure that you will be protected and, and as well as the uh, 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 the people making their premiums every month as well is, there, is that correct? Yeah so so it, the state guarantee fund is a funny thing because they're like this exists but you can't use it to you can't tell people about it as an incentive for them to buy insurance from you. Ah, <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, so. Got you, got you, got you. Could go, you can go look up state guarantee fund and you can read about it to find out what the purpose of it is. But it's like, you can't you, you can't tell your client, well, the state guarantee fund is going to protect this. So it's, it's a funny rule, but they don't want you using it in, if you're soliciting for life insurance. But in this case, we're doing you know a video where we're, we're discussing you know how legal legal structure works. I can tell you about those things. Um, but yeah, somebody can go look that, that part up. But yeah, that, that exists to help uh, if an insurance company that operates in that state became insolvent. Mm, got you, got you, got you. Uh, I'm going to shift just a little bit, still talking about the life insurance piece, but just shift just a little bit. Do you see a common theme in terms of, uh, and again, we, we just putting it out there, um, let's say African-Americans, whereas though they don't take advantage of the the life insurance, uh, whether it's a um, permanent or a uh, what's the other one or a term? Right? Do you see there? Uh, there's a there's a gap there, right? And what could be done to close that gap? Um, I'm actually be a politician. Here. I'm asking you to be a politician. Right. Oh yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. You know when I'm when I'm talking to our community, I like to to. Give it straight because sometimes we like it here. So there's a mindset shift that needs to happen. Mm. It's the first thing. Um, I mean, the part of the big thing about generational wealth, and I'll say it this way: um, we have clients across the board in all kinds of different uh, races, groups, everything. We deal with everybody. And over the last 15 years, I've had 15, 20,000 conversations with people about their money, like one-on-one -on -one conversations. Just exactly. that's what we do all day. Correct. And so other groups, they start teaching their kids about the importance of insurance mm -hmm. as a way to preserve their wealth and pass it to future generations. Like, for example, Asians have the highest adoption of life insurance. You don't even have wow. to sell you don't even have, You don't even have to sell a lot of Asian people. When they're born, their parents get it for them. Parents tell them how important it is. Tell them, hey, these are the assets. So people wonder, how how do Asians have so much capital? How did buy all these businesses? Wow. Well, part of it is um, most Asian people have some sort of life insurance in place, and that generates uh, revenue from each generation to mm. the next, and gives them capital to start building with. Right? Mm. They'll, they'll get a life insurance policy even if they don't. Even the kids will become adults because I, I, we have some Asian clients 
They're like, yeah, my parents took a life insurance policy on me when I was a kid. I didn't even know what it was, how it worked. And then like give it to me, but now I got this money built up in there. I'm figuring out how I can use it. So sometimes that's how they get their capital to do their first real estate deal is because their parents and grandparents put these policies in place when they were kids. Mm. Now, if, wow. if you contrast that with black community, there's not the same level of adoption or the same level of thinking about it. So there's there's generally, uh, financially speaking, there's a lack of financial literacy in the black community. Yes. Um, uh, I lived in California uh, before moving here to Georgia, and I sat on a board of a nonprofit. And the, the board, the, the idea was to go into go to minorities and low income families. Some of these people, were, some of them were getting out of jail, and they didn't know about getting a bank account, been in jail for ten years, no credit score, nothing. And literally, this was helping them get established from like the basics, very basics. Okay. Like, okay, I got my job now that I'm on parole, and I got it. So it's like this education needed to happen from that group. So I could see from that level all the way up to the, to the top how people thought about money and life insurance so in the black community we tend to wait on things mm -hmm. we tend to wait and think oh well i'm not um you know i'm not going to use it today especially with term life insurance because term life insurance pays when somebody dies so a lot of times they're like well i don't want to have to wait until somebody dies for me to enjoy my money all these different things people say whereas sometimes that's the one they can afford so that's the one you get mm. now if, if you get a, a whatever policy you get, whether it's term, permanent life insurance, there's so many social economic factors that gets impacted from this. This is all saying don't sell grandma's house. Well, why do people sell grandma's house? If, if grandma had, has three grandkids, how are three people going to divide one house? Mm. So they're going to sell grandma's house because it's easier to divide the money than it is to divide the house. But if there's a life insurance involved, and there's 300 grand of life insurance involved or whatever the amount is, and each one of them got 100 grand, now they don't need to sell grandma's house. Mm. See what Very I'm saying? Point. They can keep the asset, rent it out, whatever it is, who knows, maybe that some developer may come by and wants to buy it up to develop on there and you can sell it at a massive premium, mm -hmm. but then you kept the asset in your family. So this also is a protective mechanism for those kinds of different things, so. Mm. Are you looking to join a winning team? Join us as a broker and receive high-level training, mentorship, and an awesome commission structure. If you're interested, visit www.theheadleygroup.com or call us at 336-904-6212. We look forward to partnering with you. Brother, I, I like that. You, you you gave so many great, great specific uh, um, pointers there. How it's just like you said, lack of financial literacy, right? Which we're trying to do here on the show by providing that, uh, at least to be, uh, it's a small key factor in that. Tell us about the, just being a business person, right? You, you've been in business with 15 years now, right? That's yeah, it, 15, years. 15 years. So you, you've been in business 15 years and I just want to make sure, let me back it up. Life insurance, is that the only element that we're in or is there other elements that, that you're involved in in terms of the business piece of it? No. So we do things with retirement. We do retirement planning okay. for people. Um, okay. I launched a venture recently with uh, two partners that are doing business consulting. So nice. um, how do you get people trained in your company? How do you people run efficiently? Um, how do people produce? We keep stats. Every Thursday, uh, 
we do stats in our company. So everybody okay. knows their stats. Everybody knows what condition their activity is in mm-hmm. and how to improve. So everybody's trying to improve and do better and has a very high level of responsibility and understand their contribution to the overall company. So uh, so we do that. How do you how do you incorporate that inside of a business? Um, so we got to uh, launch a consulting company that does that. We have uh, two licensed consultants that focus on delivering delivering on helping business owners uh, scale and grow. So we've got those pieces in place, our retirement side. Uh, we've got some courses and things we do where we teach people because just, you know, a lot of people ask us about money and finances. So we're like, okay, well, we answer the same questions. So Correct. Courses and then teach people about it. So we do those kinds of different things. Uh, shopping for assisted living properties. That's a segment of real estate that I like. So Nice. I like the Southeast. So if you've got any assisted living properties that you come across, Mike, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> well, well, actually, uh, a client of mine is literally open. Uh, he's opening one up now. And as we speak, uh, he's going through the phase. He's by about 60% done. Um, oh, but yes, definitely. Okay. We definitely will we'll maybe make note of that as well. And let's talk about, uh, let's fight about money. The book, right? Since we, we are on that topic, show that. Let's fight about money. Tell us about the book, brother. And I'm quite sure it was a couple of nuggets you've already exposed since we've been kind of talking here. Tell us about the book. Let's fight about money. So my, my wife and I run our business together. So nice. we talk about in business. We do a lot of things together. Um, lots of things together. And so people will see us all the time and they'll say, well, how, how do you get along? So well? how do you run mm. a business with your spouse? How do you guys make that happen? Uh, and so like, well, do you really get along that well? Do you, how do you not argue about money? So we wrote the book called let's fight about money because <laughs> it gotcha. seems like a lot of people fight about it. It's just, Correct. You know, financial stress in the household is one of the biggest causes of divorce. So we thought we'd make it kind of light and funny by calling it that. And mm-hmm. then we wrote about our successful actions. Uh, the, the book basically is centered around people's money personalities. You know, like my wife, Chelsea, she's more of a saver. Uh, she was more of a saver of my money person i was more of a spender so I, I make the money i want to go spend it and buy all kinds of stuff she made money she wanted to hold on to it you know so it's like well well you're going to have some sort of conflict if you have these different beliefs about money okay. so then we we talk about our successful actions and how do we how do we have conversation about money what do we talk about why where is our focus when it comes to money why we focus on creating more money than just trying to manage the money and then we went from spender and savers to becoming a wealth creator okay so now how do we bring the best aspects of our money personalities together to then uh work as a family as a business as a group and then go and create more wealth with that so so that's that's a lot of what the book's about we talk about um um i give my perspective as a as a father she gives her perspective as a mother on how to how we've taught our son about money and finances uh he's got more saved than than most adults so um he's got a life insurance policy that's funded he's going to use that uh, when he's in his 20s to buy real estate so i mean um he's got things set up even without us giving him any money he will be set up because of the things that we're doing and then the mindset we've instilled in him and some of that we talk about in in, in our book nice 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 i i I like that uh which will uh, really highlight the um the um, the book towards the end what what age did he start um, did you start the life insurance policy and for him just to getting acclimated in, into the talk of, of preserving and the life insurance? Well, Chelsea started teaching him about money when he was around six years old. Six um, years old. Nice. And 
financial people can make things very complicated. So what I would do is I would, whenever I was trying to explain a concept, I would explain it to him to see if he would understand it. Mm. That was a test for me to see if I could explain it simply enough that somebody could get it. So we have some videos where uh, I show how to protect yourself against the three enemies of your wealth, taxes, inflation, and losses. And we, we did it with like a little toy figures. He and I got in the video. We, we did all kinds of little, we did old sketch and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think we did that when he was maybe 12 years old or something, 10 or mm -hmm. 12 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was like teaching him at a young age. And then uh, we started a policy for him around that time and uh, we were funding it. So we, we are the, one of the things about these policies is when you fund it, you can be the owner. The owner of the policy controls the cash. So he's the insurer, which means the policy is on his life. If he passes away, the policy will pay out. But we're the owners. So um, we control the cash, which means when he turns 18, he doesn't automatically get that money. Gotcha. We have to give, we will go, we're gonna give him joint ownership at, at 18. And then he can have access to some other cash and then, you know, we'll navigate with them doing some deals he wants to do in his, in his twenties. So he can start using the cash and his policy for those kinds of things. Do owner translates to beneficiary if something was happened to him? Yeah, it can be the owner, the owner, uh, you, you can, they can, they can all be different people. Uh, okay. But okay. In, this, in this case, the owner, uh, as the owners were also beneficiaries on his policy. Wow. And what is the age? I think I know the question and answer to this, but again, I want to get it from the, um, the professional. What is the age that you can start a policy for a child? Uh, six days. Wow. Okay. Six days old. <laughs> That's what the Asian people do. do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they start thinking about That's it. And nice. start, they call you before the baby's born. <laughs> They're oh, like, wow. well, the wife's got, she's going to have the baby on this time. As soon as they're uh -huh. born, the grand grandparents are going to put this stuff together. And uh, yeah. I'm telling you, highest adoption of life insurance in the world is in Asia. They're like mm. serious about it. Um, Very serious. Wow. It's irresponsible to not have life insurance. That's how their perspective is. Uh, so imagine if we had that. I, um, I, I, I did a, a post that I made and I said, look, you can close the, 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 the wealth gap. There, there's a wealth gap between black Americans, white Americans uh, and others. It, it exists. Correct. That's how it is. Correct. You can go back and look at history and talk about all the causes for it. That's not going to solve anything. Mm -hmm. Trying to figure out, oh, yeah, here's why this happened. I'm like, okay, every black person in America, go buy as much life insurance as you can. Mm -hmm. That you can't afford to buy. Buy as much life insurance as you can. And statistically, there's a certain percentage of every racial group, there's a certain percentage of them who pass away every year. In one generation, you would drastically close the wealth gap just by simply wow. buying life insurance and I, I did the math on like every black person in America had a million dollar life insurance policy in one generation you almost erased the wealth gap now wow. that's it. interesting it's never looked at it from that perspective but it makes sense yes yeah because I sit there and think about these things um, okay studies on this um, uh -huh. uh, Prudential is a financial company that has a study on the, the black insurance experience every year it says the same thing black people are insured the way <sighs> to buy life insurance and because the way later to buy life insurance to buy smaller policies so because they buy smaller policies, the policy just uh, covers burial. Because the policy covers only burial, there's nothing else left over to leave wealth. Now, if the person, if the, the Asian family then leaves, you know, 300,000, and then you're trying to put together the money for the down payment, but that Asian family just left 300,000 to their, their kids and grandkids, 
they can they can beat you out on that real estate deal. Facts. So now they got the Facts. real estate. They, could, they had either Facts. a higher down payment, they could pay more for the property, whatever. They, 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 they had something there in which they could edge you out. So what I'm trying to do is just create as many opportunities as I can uh, for myself, for our communities, by teaching people these kinds of tools. You know, I, I applaud you, Mike. I, I watched watched videos and different things you've done, showing people real estate, showing agents how they can do well, how they can flourish and prosper, showing people mm-hmm. how real estate is an avenue towards that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's great what you're doing because you're you're pushing into the community the knowledge that they need to act on, so that they can they can get to where they need to go. That's it. That's it, brother. Let me tell you something, man. Like I said, when we drop, we uh finish this i got about two or three questions for you myself um you really just impacted the so so good with so much information uh let me ask you something is there a question that you wish i would ask that you would like to answer um the question is the question i i i would like to say is if if i'm thinking how should i be thinking about wealth correct it's the question i wish people would ask more Mm. A lot of times ask, what should I do with my money? Before you know what to do with your money, you know you got to know how to think about something. Because what whatever's up here, nobody can take away from you. That's right. Nobody can steal. They can't go into your, they can't go up here and take that from you. Which is why when somebody has stuff up here, even and they can execute, even if they get knocked out, they run into failures, they can still they got this. You can't take Correct. that away. Correct. So the most important thing is like, how do I, how should I be thinking about it? And then when you start looking at, okay, how do I think like wealthy people think? And what, how do wealthy people think and approach things? And I want to approach things that way. And if wealthy people use these tools, I want to figure out how I can use these tools too. Because across, across the board, if you look at wealthy people, and you look at their assets, they have they have different businesses, different so many different right. things. But if you look at the two foundational things that all wealthy people have in place, they have a lot of life insurance and they have real estate. Those are the mm. two common things. Some of them oh. are not in the stock market. Yes. Some wealthy people are not in the stock market, but they all have real estate. Rather than the stock market, they all have real estate. And they'll have life insurance that funds their trust. Uh, when they when they die and it replenishes their wealth, uh, and sometimes they use it to give to charities and they do all kinds of different things with it. The higher up you go, the more and more you find uh, more and more life insurance. People think that oh the person's rich, so they don't need life insurance. However, uh, the person is rich. That's why they buy life insurance. Mm, you got, you got, you got correct. Thinking about it. That, exactly. Exactly. Wow, uh, 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 Martin, brother. Like I said, you impacted us so so good. Two golden nuggets, brother. You gave us a lot, whether it be a book, scripture, or a quote. Go and give us two. Um, I'll give you a book. One of the first one is uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. If you want to really understand how to think the right way, get that book by a guy named T. Harp Ecker. I've read that book um, 12 to 15 times. Mm. Um, one time I read the book every month for, for 12 months. Wow. Month a year for twelve months. Uh, phenomenal book uh, that I that I really like. Um, and another book that's kind of second nugget is uh, uh, the 10x rule by a guy named Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone, gotcha. Grant Cardone. Yes. I'll be seeing Grant next month in January. I'm going I'm flying down to uh, 
to Florida, and he's he's doing an event out there, a private event. I'm, I'm going to that. Nice, nice. My wife and I go. So we do all nice. Uh, so those two books have tremendous amount of nuggets in there that you can glean from them, and those lessons will be with you for life. I love it. Show your book, brother. Put that book up there again. The third, the third yeah, nugget right, is yours. Let's fight about money. Go to let's, let's fight, fight about money. So, let's brother, where, where can they find that book? You can go to letsfightaboutmoney.com. You can find it on Amazon, or you can go to letsfightaboutmoney.com. We'll send you a signed copy. Nice, nice, nice. Listen, Mr. Martin, brother, like I said, you really enlighten us, man. I mean, we've had different guests on the show where every, every one of the guests has been superb, knowledgeable, but I think this, this here is eminent and the highest priority, particularly like you just mentioned, uh, people of color that needs to, needs to be, uh, to grasp this and listen to this episode over and over and over. And again, support that brother, not just by supporting, but also getting the knowledge by buying that book. Uh, Mr. Martin, brother, like I said, thank you. You know, you've been a, 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 a highlight and just blessed us with so much knowledge. And again, now listen, you're an alumni of the show now, brother. So now we ask you to come back. You got to come on back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and uh, and uh, I, I want to coordinate uh, interviewing you, Mike. I, I think what you're doing, what you've built with your company is phenomenal. I want to mm-hmm. applaud that. I, I went through and and, and uh, I checked out some of the people, some of the, the brokers you had. I even looked at some of the properties that you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so I saw one I really liked. And I'm like, Man, that's great. <laughs> but I, I want to applaud you for that because you built, um, from what I can see looking in, you built a culture. Uh, a team. I watched some of the videos with some of the agents talking about how great it was working with you. Correct. The caliber of people that you have. I saw somebody who who was kind of the the, the rookie agent. Yes. Uh, yes. One, one for rookie agent. So I saw Correct. a lot of those things. And the fact that you take your time to mentor and educate people, mm. and also go the independent route to create something that you put your name on, your, you stamp your name on it. It's got your face. It's got your name. That says a lot about you, and that says a lot mm. about people that you're around because they they trust in you with their careers to guide That's you. It. Um, so I applaud you for that. I do want to make sure you're very acknowledged on that. Um, I appreciate you reaching out. I, just thought, I was talking. We have a uh, a content creator here. I was telling him, I'm like, I really like Mike. And, you know, he's a sharp guy, and I I, I, I I think I know you and I would get along really well. So yes, it's um. It's just it's phenomenal to see that, and I really love seeing that, and I want to applaud your success on that and all the things you've done. I'd I love to have an interview with you. We'll, we'll coordinate that so you can come and share some of your wisdom on a real estate segment uh, with our audience. Definitely, but listen, I'm there. Sign me up. I'm ready to go. I Actually, it was one of my goals for uh, starting off early for this year. I said I need to get on 10 other podcasts, so we're going to kick that off. There you go. <laughs> um, want to thank everybody for tuning in for, uh, for Mr. Martin Matthews and thank you all. And we'll see you all next time on the Heavy Group Real Estate Show. You guys take care. Hey, gang, I hope you really enjoyed that show. Our guests provide us some great tips and insight and please support them on all social media platforms. And while I'm saying that, support us on all social media platforms. And don't forget, watch the entire